Good morning. Greetings to each of you this morning. In Jesus' name, it's good to be here to worship together with you all again this morning. And uh, I'm glad that Philip said something about thanking the Lord for the rain. Uh, what a beautiful change to drive to church. And things are greening up and skies overcast instead of hot and sunny and God gives us a lot of good things. This morning I'd like to talk about a subject that uh, you may hear people talking about. Maybe it's something you talk about occasionally. I'm probably going to put a little different twist on it than you might be expecting. But I want to talk this morning about investing. And you probably are going to guess correctly that I'm not going to be talking a lot about stocks and bonds and mutual funds, etc. But there's a principle of investing that I want us to consider. And it's a principle that affects, I think, all areas of life. So first of all, I'd like to give a definition from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary of investing or an investment. Dictionary says, gives, I have three different definitions. So when you look at a definition, often a word has a variety of, of meanings. So the first definition is to, is to commit money in order to return, or in order to earn a financial return. So we take money, we put it in something that we are expecting to give a financial return back. Definition one. Definition two, to make use of for future benefits or advantages. And they gave a phrase to help us understand that, and that phrase is invested her time wisely. So this is speaking of using something with a goal for a future benefit. And number three, to involve or engage, especially emotionally, and the example they gave is were deeply invested in their children's lives. So it's talking about a, a, an in, investment of, of emotions and time there maybe. And I want to think a little bit about these different aspects of investment. The first definition is dealing with money. It's speaking of taking something of value. Uh, in this example, you, you, you'd say money or something like that, some asset. And committing it to a certain use with a hope or an expectation of a future return a financial return, to gain back something that is greater. So I can take $100 and I can invest it in the right thing and in 10 years I might have $200. So it's, it's to take something of value and put it to use with a future return in mind. 
So speaking of money, but the but the second definition there to make use of for future benefits or advantages that could cover money, but it's speaking of, in a much broader sense. It's speaking of using anything today with a goal of a future gain. And the example that was given was of using time wisely. You Probably we've been told before by our parents that no, if you had used your time wisely, you could have got all of your homework done or whatever. We didn't invest our time in the right thing. And so then when it came time to go to school, our homework assignment was not completed. So what I want us to understand is that an investment doesn't need to be made with money. It can be our time. It can be our emotions, etc. And that covers the third definition of, of emotional engagement. Investing, the example given was investing in our children's lives. So that tells us that our, our emotions, our mental faculties, our minds can be invested. And, and, and again, when we're talking of investing, we're talking about whatever we're investing. We're talking about putting it to use with a goal in the future of a return. And that's something we do all the time. If you think about it, we are continually, every day, we have time. We have our emotional thoughts, our, our thoughts and our emotions. We have uh, our money that we are investing in things. Did you know that if you're driving down the road and you stop at the convenience store and buy a bottle of pop, that you're making an investment. What you're doing is you're pulling your wallet out and you're exchanging your hard-earned money, let's just say your dollar ninety-five or whatever it costs, you're exchanging it for something that you are expecting to give you a return and, and an enjoyment, a pleasure that is greater than the money that you just gave up. And I can promise you, you're probably going to be disappointed an hour later. But we're investing. We're continually investing. We're, we're, we're trading things of value, whether it's money or time or our emotions or relationships. We're trading those things to get something in return. We spend time with our families because... We're building a relationship that we want to bear fruit down the road. And again, I believe that this is an important subject because it touches all of life and what we do with the things that we have available to us. And we should be consciously thinking about what God has given us and how we're using it, how we're investing it. Are we investing it in things that gain a return, a spiritual return, and a return in God's kingdom? 
I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 21. We're not going to read a lot of Scripture today, but there's a familiar account that I want to read in light of this idea of what we do with the things we have of value is a form of investing. So I'd like to read Luke 21 verses 1 through 4. And this is speaking of Jesus. And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, Of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For these have, for all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God. But she of her penury, or her her, her uh, now my, my, my mind slips me, but her, her lack, her poverty, thank you, Philip, out of her poverty, she has cast in all that she had to live on. All, that her, all of her living, it says. And I say it's a familiar account. I think we've probably all heard this story again and again. We hear of the widow's two mites. Was that an investment? Was that widow lady that gave her two mites making an investment? And I believe it was, because I believe that she put that in in hopes of gaining something for the Lord. So the setting of this account was at the temple there in Jerusalem. Jesus and his disciples were there, and I don't know how things were laid out, but I envisioned this at, at an entrance point where people were coming in, and a lot of people, and there was places you could sit or stand maybe and, and watch what was going on, and right there in the middle, they had this box where they could put in their offerings, and these people would come flowing in, and they'd throw their their they're offering money into this box. And I was going to read this verse later, but, but Jesus talked about it in another place, and He talked about in Matthew 6, of the hypocrites who would, who would put into the treasury, in, into this box, they would call attention to themselves, basically saying, look at me, look how good I am, look what I'm throwing in. And so... That's the picture I see here is that these people were coming through and they were maybe making a show of what they put in. But here we have this poor widow lady and it says she had two mites. And we don't know for sure exactly what that was worth, how, what we would compare that with, but for our purposes today, I'm going to call it two pennies. And I didn't do it. I was going to put two pennies in my pocket so I could hold them up. I'm not that old, but I think I can remember back when if I had two pennies in my pocket, I could probably went to the store up the street, up the road from where we lived and bought one piece of candy. But I think if you went to town today with two pennies, I doubt that you could find anything to buy. Two pennies is not much. 
So this, this widow lady had very, very little. And it says that it was her living. It was what she had to live on. I assume in her day, it had enough value that she could have maybe bought a morsel to eat or something like that. So we have this contrast between her and those, those who were wealthy in what they put in. And I want us to think a little about motives. We don't know what motivated these different givers. But thinking about those who threw in large amounts, I have to wonder if they were doing it out of pride or maybe they were trying to call attention to themselves so that the people looking on recognized how well-to-do they were. You know, we, we like people to think that, we're, that we have it all together. We like people to think that, uh, we've, that we've really attained because we all have that root of pride in our hearts. And so I wonder if that isn't what was happening here. So we have maybe this giving from a prideful standpoint held up against the giving of this poor widow lady. Let me back up a little bit. So I, I mentioned that verse where Jesus talked about giving to be seen of men. So if that's what these people were doing, they were making an investment. They were investing their hard-earned money into that treasury, hoping to gain a return of the respect of the people around them. They were doing it to, to be seen of men, to be elevated in, man, in man's eyes, they were investing in earthly honor. And they probably were being successful. So, I'm assuming that's what was going on here. But then we have the poor widow. She didn't have anything to be proud of. She had two pennies. And I'm sure that she wasn't going to call attention to that fact. And so I don't think that her motive for giving was the same. And you know, you think about this poor widow with her two mites. She was the one who had a reason to keep what she had. She needed it to live on. But yet she gave it up. So what motivated her? Why did she go and throw in those two mites into the, into the temple treasury. I believe that she had a love for God in her heart and respect for Him and she wanted to give. She wanted to give to God worse than she wanted it for herself. So I see extremely different motives. A motive of self-promotion versus a motive of love for God and a desire to invest in the things of God over and beyond 
her own personal needs. But I want us, and I want us to consider then what Jesus said about those these uh, different offerings. He said that what the widow threw in was more than all the others gave. And I don't know if he's saying that it was more than any of the others gave or if it was more than all of the others combined gave. And I think both could apply. So Jesus was basically saying that using our terminology, that this widow's two pennies were worth more than maybe the thousands of dollars that others had thrown in that day. And there's an important lesson here for us in, in investing or in giving to the Lord. In giving of those things, planning for a future return. That it's not the amount that's important, but it's the heart and the motives that are important. Jesus was looking not at the amount, but He was looking at the sacrifice. He was looking at this lack of selfishness. He was looking at the willingness to surrender what she had to God. And He said that what she gave was greater than all the others. She invested a small amount And I believe that we could say from what Jesus said that she had a great return on her investment. So did you ever think about in thinking about giving and investing things for for God's kingdom, did you ever think about the fact that God does not need money? You say, well, Every Sunday we take up an offering, or maybe two. And Christian Aid Ministries and all these other organizations are asking for money. But God doesn't need money. What does God own? God owns everything. If you owned everything, would you need money? You'd have it all. God doesn't want us to invest our money. He is looking for looking for and desires for us to be investing or, or to be seeking the returns of righteousness rather than the returns of investing for wealth and prosperity and popularity, etc. He's looking for us to be dead to the world. Dead to the dividends of the world. And alive to Him. So Paul said some very interesting things about giving. And uh, maybe I have to preach this here sometime, but I, I had a, have a message I preached to me years ago about giving. And it's interesting to look at what all Paul has to say. But in Corinthians 8, verse 12, this is from the New King James, says this, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So God is not looking for us 
to give amounts, certain amounts, or necessarily even certain percentages. But it says here he's looking for a willing mind. He's looking for a mind that has his kingdom in view. So as I said earlier, we invest things that are valuable to us. Time, money, etc. We do it in hopes of gaining a future return. So are we investing things with the goal of a return in God's kingdom? Or are we investing with the goal of a return for my kingdom, my personal kingdom. You know, sometimes it's hard to separate all these things because we need to work, we need to earn a living, we need to have a house to live in, etc. But God is going to view what we do with the things of value in our life. What we do with our resources through the desires and the intents of our heart through our motives. So, I've kind of intertwined investing and giving. And giving of our resources financially is one aspect. But I want to consider a few other things that we invest in, not just our financial resources. So, sometime back, and I forget when, uh, I forget even what he was talking about, but Brother Claire Heatwell had made a statement that resonated with me as I was thinking about this subject. He mentioned that his father was one of the men involved in informing our church conference. And he said something like this, that we have no idea the effort and the time that was put into forming what we have. So there is a prime example of men who approximately 50 years ago invested a lot of time and a lot of emotional uh, energy as well as physical energy as well as money, into God's kingdom. Because they expected to gain a return in the future. And you know, 50 years later, we are the ones who are enjoying that effort. Enjoying the return on that investment. Our church schools are another example of an investment of time and emotional efforts and money that we have, have in the past and still are reaping a real reward from. So I bring this up because in my lifetime, I've seen that we're gradually losing, we've lost almost all of those men who made those initial investments. And those who remember what it cost. And as we're losing those people, we're also, I feel, losing an appreciation 
for the return on that investment that we are experiencing today. Because see, when an investment is made and then 50 years later, I'm the one who reaps the benefits. I enjoy the benefits without recognizing what was put into that investment. So it becomes easy for us to coast. It becomes easy for us to live off the interest, so to speak. We don't have to sacrifice like those who made the investment. And so then I wonder, are we taking, so we have the same 24 hours in a day that those men did. Are we taking the equivalent time and energy and money that it costs them? Or, or maybe I should state that differently. We have in some ways at least the same time and the same emotional energy and the same money that they invested back then into the church and its programs. And so what are we doing today with that resource? What am I doing? Am I today standing on their shoulders and investing, reinvesting it back into God's kingdom? Or am I investing it into myself? I knew a man, and I'm not sure if he's still living or not. It's not a Mennonite man by the name of John Good. He was one of the hardest working men I ever have been acquainted with. At in his, I think he was in his mid-60s, and I think he probably could have outworked most 20-year-olds. And he had a good bit to show for it. He had worked hard all his life. He owned a chicken farm, plus he was doing work on the side. He would get up at three in the morning and take care of his chicken farm. And at seven o'clock, he'd be on our job site, prancing back and forth, ready to pour concrete, wondering where the concrete truck was. And him and I had a conversation one day. He was a man that had seen a lot of things in his life. And he, he, was, he was reflecting a little bit on what he had gained in his life from a financial standpoint. And he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I had to work so hard to gain what I have. And he said, what I found out is once I have it, he said, I have to work almost as hard just to keep it. Now, he's talking about temporal things. But brothers and sisters, I think it's true spiritually as well. If we think that we're going to coast on the interest of the investment that our forefathers made, we're going to get to a point where it runs out. We need to be working as hard as they worked to build what we have so that we can maintain it and help it to grow for God's honor and glory. Amen. So one aspect that we need to be investing in 
We need to be investing in ourselves and our families. And I'm not talking about investing in ourselves in a way that promotes self. Because I have a concern that sometimes we, have, we make investments that are misdirected. I've seen, been guilty of this myself, I'm sure, but I've seen situations where it seemed like that families had a keen desire to invest in their children so that their children would have what they deemed to be a good childhood, happy memories. And it seemed that they had no problem when it came to buying the toys and doing all the fun things to accomplish that. Yet their children grew up and either left the church or had a weak commitment to the Lord that they just didn't have much of a foundation. And as I look at that, I see the, the potential to invest in things that are not the best. Maybe things that aren't wrong, but to miss the point, to miss the most important things. Because we are going to reap a return on what we invest in. In my short lifetime, I've observed that there seems to be a direct correlation between what a family invests in and the returns that they get back. And we can get caught in the trap of thinking that my children need this thing or they need this experience. Our family needs to do this together so that we can build these memories and still end up reaping the wrong returns on that investment. And maybe we're doing good things. But my concern is, is that so often we end up doing those things and taking our focus off of the things that are more important. The things that matter eternally. We're neglecting the things of the Lord at the expense of or, 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 or promoting the things of this world at the expense of of the things of God's kingdom. We neglect the things of the Lord, but we wouldn't neglect a vacation to create memories with our families. We don't have time for the work in the church, but we have time to work long hours so that we can afford all of the things that we think we need and want. We're tired at the end of the day and we don't have time to sit down as a family and have family worship together. See, we can, we can fill our lives full of good things that cause us to neglect greater things. And we will, we will earn a return on what we're investing in. And I'd like to paraphrase what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19-21. Jesus spoke about money and what we should do with it. And I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Lay not up for yourselves investments upon earth, 
Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for your invest lay up your investments in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your investments are, there will your heart be also. Those verses are striking at the heart of the issue. Our investments are tied to where our heart is. We will invest into things that are near and dear to our heart. If the church is near and dear to your heart, you're going to be investing time and emotional energy and money into it. If your hobby, I'll just say hunting and fishing, whatever it is, is near and dear to your heart, you're going to be investing your time and your money and your emotional efforts there. It's not that some of those things are wrong, but when we get them out of balance, we will gain a return that's not for our eternal good. When we start investing in the wrong things, we set up ourselves and our families to reap an earthly return on our investments. So as I said, our forefathers invested much in our church, in our schools, in the other programs of our church. And we have we are the ones that have reaped a great return. So what are you and I investing in today? I want all of us on a personal level, and I want us each as parents on a on a family level to consider what we're investing in. What are we going to be reaping a return on in 5, 10, 20, and 50 years from now? Because you will reap a return. Will that return be a return that is pleasing to God and that builds His kingdom and that draws us closer to Him? Or will it be something that distracts us away from Him? We need to be investing ourselves in the things of God. We need to be investing in the study of His Word and in prayer and in family devotional time and doing things for the church, doing things working in the church as we're called. We need to be investing in people. Investing in people in the church. Investing in the people that we rub shoulders with at work, etc. We need to be investing in time. Of, in time our time in prayer. We need to be investing our finances for the spread of the gospel. We don't all go to the mission field. But we can all work from home. We can all pray. We can all give. We can minister to those that are around us. These are the things that we can invest in that will pay heavenly dividends. So are we going to be like the rich that threw in money out of their abundance and went on their way? Are we going to commit ourselves to being like that widow lady that our Lord commended, who gave all, 
who is willing to give it up for the Lord. Galatians 6-7 tells us that there's a principle of sowing and reaping. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So we're going to, we're going to reap a return on what we invest. Are we investing in the things of God? The things of His church? And His kingdom? If we are, we'll reap an eternal reward. If we're not, we're going to reap a return on our investment that leaves us empty and leads to eternal judgment. So may God bless us each and help us to daily invest in His things so that we can expect a blessed return in the future. May we have a song.